Shulchan Aruch Harav. We are in Simen Chavhei. We begin Alacha Chavches, section 25. We begin the 28th Alacha. Again, our learning is in the schus, in the merit of the protection of our chayolam, of the soldiers, and of Yidin Jewish people everywhere. Alacha Chavches. Kaldavr Shabale Akabala Vazer Cholkim Magmara Yapeskim Shachem Achar Gmara Hagmara Halech Achar Gmara Yapeskim Shachem Achar. Whenever the masters of the Kabbalah and the Zohar differ from the, from the Talmud or from the halachic authorities who base their decisions upon it, one must follow the Talmud or those halachic authorities. If, however, the masters of the Kabbalah give a more stringent ruling, that stringency should be accepted. We may not, however, compel the community at large to accept this stringency. Similarly, if any particular practice is not cited at all by the Talmud and the halachic authorities, but is mentioned in the Kabbalah, we may not compel the community at large to accept it. Now, this passage taken from Knesset HaGadoyla and cited by Magen Avram in connection with the preceding law reflects Al Tareb's approach in composing his Shulchan Aruch. Though he took Kabbalistic practices into account, when stances conflicted, he would rule according to the Talmud. The Shara Koyul maintains that when revising his Shulchan Aruch in Madura Basra, and only four of these sections are extant, and in composing in his, uh, his Piski Asidr, the Al-Tarebbe altered his perspective, and in such differences of opinion, he accepted the position of the Kabbalah. Now, the story is told that an elder Chassid once observed the Al-Tarebbe conducting himself in accordance with the rulings of the, of the Kabbalists, the Mikubalim, and not the Talmudists. He asked, in your Shulchan Aruch, didn't you say that one should follow the Talmudists? Al-Tarebbe answered, the Shulchan Aruch was written according to the Talmudists, and that is their perspective. According to, to the Kabbalists, it is the Kabbalah that should be followed. And the Rebbe explains that in a case of conflict, al Rebbe did not simply accept the position of the Kabbalah over that of the Talmud. Rather, navigating by the rulings of the Kabbalists as a guiding light, he labored until he found an explanation in Nigla, the revealed levels of the Torah, that would vindicate their position. Okay. Halacha Chavtes, 29, if one removes his tefillin with the intention of not putting them on again until after the passage of an extended time, such as two to three hours, as we're going to explain more about this in a moment, and then changes his mind and desires to put them on immediately, he must recite the blessings over them again. Now, as Al-Tarebbe is going to explain, one may remove his tefillin briefly without having to recite another bracha because he is not considered to have diverted his attention from them. Whenever he does not wear them for an extended period, we assume that his attention has been diverted and another blessing is required. So, why does he have to say another bracha over them again if he took them off for like two or three hours and then changes his mind? Because he's considered to have diverted his attention from them as soon as he removed them. Now, different rules apply if, however, when he removed the tefillin, he intended to put them on again immediately thereafter. Or more precisely, shortly thereafter, within uh, two hours, that is. If he does put them on immediately, he does not have to recite a blessing over them again. Uh, because wearing them at this time is covered by the blessing that he recited over them the first time he put them on. And this applies when the person puts on the same tefillin that were removed. If he puts on other tefillin, another blessing is required, says the Kafa Chaim. Allah Lamid now qualifies. 30. When does this apply? When he did not relieve himself. Uh, after having removed his tefillin and before putting them on again. If, however, he relieved himself in the interim, he is required to recite a blessing when he's putting them on again, as if he had removed them without intending to put them on again immediately. Since he could not wear tefillin while relieving himself, like it says in section 43, Mem Gimel, 
the fact that he had in mind to put them on again immediately is of no consequence. And the laws regarding the station of blessing for the Talish of in the course of the, of the davening um, appears in section 53 and in section 66. Okay. Allah Chalamet Aleph 31. If tefillin slip from the place where they should be positioned, which uh, will be clarified in section 27, when one then um, handles them to remove them back in place, he's required to recite a blessing. So this implies that tefillin incorrectly positioned are reckoned as not having been worn. Now, since they slip from their proper place unintentionally, the fact that he would intend to put them on again, or, or put, sorry, to put them back in place is not significant. So we don't say that since he desired to continue wearing tefillin, the fact that they were in the wrong place for a short time is of no consequence. Uh, in subsection 29, by contrast, the person consciously removed his tefillin, hence it can be said that he intended to put them on again. In the, in the instance described in section 31, since the individual did not intend to remove the tefillin, it cannot be said that he intended to put them on again. Now, if he returns only one of the tefillin to its place, he should recite a blessing as if he were putting on only one of the tefillin, as we explained in section 26. If everyone purposely moved the tefillin from the proper place with the intention of returning them to their place immediately when he returns them to their place, immediately he is not required to recite another blessing. This concludes Allah Chalam Aleph and today's shir.